Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Watford FC Buzz podcast, the show where we talk about the greatest team in the land, Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano and this week is International Break Week, so it's just Watford chat today. And to join me in this chat on the episode, it's a very warm welcome back to football analyst and Watford fan, Jordan Weimer. Jordan, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Excellent. Well, we're uh, talking about another Watford victory, another 3-2, and uh, it's a win that sees us climb to second in the table, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, it's it was... a Bit, bit of a tough tough one in the end, but we did get there and yeah, up to second. So no complaints heading into the uh, international break. Watford don't like to do it the easy way, do they though? No, I mean, two two comeback wins. So yeah, I mean, it shows some good character at least. And uh, yeah, as, as we said, we made hard work, work of it, but Coventry, um, they made it difficult at times and we got there in the end. So that's the important thing. And uh, it was nice to see Andre Gray get on the score sheet again. I'm sure that's going to be very pleasing for himself personally and, and obviously it helped the team too. Yeah, it wasn't his most glamorous of goals by any <laughs> means. But um, yeah, I, I think the play up to that was, uh, was really what got us to the goal. I mean, it ended up coming off Gray in the end, but it was the ball from Kapu and the touch and the run from Ken Semmer I thought was excellent again yesterday. And that's really what made a difference in the game for us. So talk us through that performance then. Uh, what stood out for you in the game? Well, I think uh, I think there are some there are some negatives to take from it still, but I think over over overall there's a lot of positives, and I think the way we attacked uh, was something that we have to look at going forwards. We're very very um, heavy on that wing play. We didn't really play through the centre at all, which is something we have seen in the past. But even with those three midfielders, we didn't really have any of that central penetration. A lot of it was just getting the ball, spraying it out wide and just attacking down the wings. And I, I feel we have really gone for that um, that mentality of our, our players out wide are be- better than yours and we're just going to keep churning away until we make chances because we will eventually make chances. And it ended up working for us, but it, it came close. And um, Truce Dekong, of course, got on the score sheet as well. And, uh, you know, every time I see him play, I always I always think he looks like a really solid defender. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's done very well. He's he's uh, been pretty solid back there and pretty comfortable in that central position. I think he holds that that centre centre back role very well. He's good, combative, and he's strong in the challenge. And yeah, he's doing a good job. And I think also for his goal too, it's worth noting James Garner's corners yesterday. They were quite different from what we've seen in recent years, and his delivery was pretty spot on. So having that uh, that option makes things a lot a lot more promising when we do get them set piece opportunities for sure. Yeah, what sort of um. Style does does Garner seem to take up then when he's when he's on set piece duty? 
Well, he's just got a consistent delivery. He strikes the ball well, so you end up getting these 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 actual powerfully driven, accurate crosses and and, and set piece deliveries. So it can be um, it can be effective. I mean, there was one I think it was in the in the second half where he he took the corner and it it dipped into the six yard box and you know hit hit the floor before anyone got a touch in it. But it was. Just, really really good ball and if you have the players actually taking them chances then I mean you you actually become a threat out of out of a, a team that was struggling for years in these situations so just having that that change in uh, in delivery type and consistency I think makes a huge difference so his trajectory can be quite varied and it just makes us a threat before the game I think people were probably looking at it and thinking well we uh, we're playing Coventry they're not doing too well but we've also already played Wickham, who weren't doing that great at the time, and, and they managed to come away, you know, with a decent result. So, you know, people were probably a little bit um, worried about it, but uh, it, it actually proved to be uh, harder than maybe people thought initially. Yeah, I think I think the way the Wickham and Coventry approached the game is also very different. Wickham were a little bit more aggressive defensively and quite happy to to give up the ball, but Coventry actually were quite happy to be on the ball and they wanted to try and make things happen. They had a lot of possession, although a lot of it was in their own half. They they struggled to to attack us at times, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't by any means easy. I think you're always going to find that these games will be close. We have got some defensive frailties it's going to happen every team does um but yeah it was, it was a tough test and the fact that we managed to come through and and fight back from that that two goal in a space of a minute that happened was uh was a, a good show of character but i think overall i think we just did dominate enough of the game even though we weren't as incisive as maybe we'd like in, in some moments i think we we did do enough just to just to come away with it yeah and then, of course, uh, the legend that is Troy Deeney came on to make his 400th appearance, and what a, what a landmark moment that must have been for him. And um, what what a uh, what a player is it? has he has he been for Watford? You know, all the service that he's given to to the team over the years. You know, it was nice to see him make that appearance, and and hopefully he can go on to make many more. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see, and there's been a lot of uh, question marks over Troy coming back, and, and I think some of them are justified. Obviously, some maybe go a little bit too far, but I thought honestly the most promising thing was he actually looked in he looked in good shape um, mm. when he came on against Luton. I thought he he didn't look good to me. He didn't look like he was moving well. He looked heavy, and he come he come on and he he, he looked a bit smoother in his movements, and he looked a little bit lighter overall. Never sure if it's because he's got a fresh fade if that makes him look a bit lighter, but he um, no he looked like he was moving in a, in a better way. So hopefully, if he can stay fit and, and add that to his game, um, I think that's something we saw a lot in the championship was the fact that he was uh, he he was a physical player, but he was never reliant solely on that physical strength side of the game. I think that's something he lent into a little bit more. As he as he got older and his time in the Premier League was uh, going on, he started to kind of lean into that physical forward rather than that all round mobile, but having that extra strength. Um, I mean, ultimately in 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 football, you don't need to be you don't need to be really really physical to be on the top end of that spectrum. So, I think having more of that balance will be a, will be a, a big plus for him and also extend his career some if he can keep that keep that going. What's um. What what differences does does he have compared to someone like Andre Gray and 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 what um what noticeable things did you see in in the differences in the way that Watford played once Deeney came on? Well, I think that's that's something yeah something worth touching on because when we when we started the game we had Andre Gray in that in that central position up front and 
he was kind of occupying that space. So we had Saar, who was also playing alongside him, but drifting out to that, that wide area. I mean, really, Saar was playing as a right winger through that game. So Saar, um, sorry, Gray was quite isolated uh, in those central positions, which isn't really what you want for him. Uh, especially if you're not playing that ball mm. over the top or in behind for him. So I think it was a bit of a, a plug-and-play situation with Gray. We put him in there because he's a more recognised centre-forward, but I don't think that we really adapted our game plan to suit him. Uh, we, right. we He can finish when you get balls into the box, but it's not really his, his thing. You look go back and look at his goals. A lot of his goals are kind of on the break, him carrying the ball and slotting home a finish, much like the chance he had uh, later in the, in the second half. But... I think uh, adding Troy to it just uh, it changes the dynamic of the of the forward players, especially if you're getting balls in the box. You have got that that physical presence in there, but I think going forward too, you, you're more looking at that um, that kind of centre forward that would drop in and, and and link play a little more. We talked about Ivic previously using a similar system where he had his inside forwards playing off his off his centre forward, and mm. that centre forward was really a support role who comes in there to to in to, to bring those wingers into play. Uh, that's not really something we see from Gray, and that's not something we should really expect from Gray. I think he can add something, uh, perhaps not that specifically. So when you do see Troy introduced, you're naturally going to see more of a support-style player who's going to be able to get in the box and possibly finish for you at times. But I think it's more looking at how Troy can get the most out of the players around him as opposed to someone like Gray, who is he's more of a singular player that his his good performance is going to come from goals and choice can come from other avenues. So if we were going forward then and we had two fully fit players in both Gray and Deeney, what player do you think would be the likely first choice for Ivic in the style that he wants to play? Well, I think first and foremost, you're going to look at how you can get Saar into the team because he is your match winner. He's your difference maker. So if you're looking at getting him into the team and and being most effective, you're probably going to lean to a Dini Parisha style uh, player. You might be able to play Gerard Pedro off the left or you might be able to switch to a front front three even. You can include Semmer in that, depending on what you're doing with with the defence. So there's lots of options, I think. I think that's the, the the real thing to look at with Troy coming back is it's not just him um, as the player that what as to what he offers it's it's how the team can change shape and how we can change the approach which I think should be uh, a big positive because it gives us different options um, as we said earlier we we were kind of limited to that uh, that attack through the wings by design but that was still what we thought or what Ivich thought, thought was the best way of approaching it so I think if you had that extra avenue of attack and you had a little bit of a, a difference maker in, in terms of support play from Troy then you, you've got just more options and that's only better for the team Now uh, not too long after uh, Mr Deeney came on Watford won themselves a penalty and everyone started looking towards the talisman to see which way he was going to put it but uh, it wasn't actually him that uh, that took the penalty in the end he he gave it up to Saar and uh, Saar struck it beautifully and, and sent the keeper the wrong way. I think it was a, a testament to the, to the man and he said afterwards in his interview with the Watford uh, team that, uh, you know, it's not about him, it's about the, the club and the, the, the message before the game was that Saar was on penalty duties and and, 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 part, and that's why Saar took the penalty. But um, it was a well-taken penalty, firstly, Jordan, and, and secondly, it was, um, it was, it was very... Good of Dini to you know to not be uh, you know trying to step himself forward and, and and make it about himself. Yeah, I think if you've got that plan before the game, it's a good idea to have that plan. You need to know you don't want to have that kind of chaos around the ball when you win the penalty, trying to decide who's actually taking it. So if Sars the man to take it before the game, then yeah, that's absolutely fine. I mean, obviously, I think we'd all expect Troy to step up there, but 
it, it is what it is. So I finished it, and yeah, no complaints really. So I think um, going forward, I'm sure if Troy's starting games, then we'll be seeing Troy taking penalties. But for for yesterday, I think given the situation, it's probably the right thing to do anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, no complaints from me. After that, I still prefer the uh, the Troy Deeney style penalty. It just always it fills me with lots of confidence when he's up there. Because I know I've seen him score so many times, and and when you see another player step up, you're like, oh, I, oh, I wonder how they're gonna, are they gonna place this one, or they're gonna smash it? But with Dina, you know what you're getting, and often, even though the goalkeepers probably are aware what's gonna happen, it's very difficult to stop uh, a smash, isn't it, when it, when it's come at you? Yeah, I think also it depends on the, the time of the penalty too, because something that Troy does is he's he hits down the middle mostly. That's what he does. And if you're a goalkeeper, it's very it's very rare that a goalkeeper will stay down the middle, especially in the second half of the game. Maybe early on in the game, they might take the risk, but late on the game, generally a keeper's going to dive. So if you smash down the middle and hit that high, it's very difficult to save because you are asking the goalkeeper to stand up straight, which doesn't happen very often. So, I mean, if I was a team playing against Troy Dini penalty, I'd 100% take that risk and have him stand in the middle. But I think a lot of keepers and a lot of teams don't want to do that. So... Yeah, it's a bit of a change going to a, from that Troy Deeney penalty we've seen for how many years uh, to this Malasai just placed into the bottom corner. But yeah, I mean, effectively, if it, if it goes in, it doesn't matter to me. Now we're um, quarter of the way through the season, which uh, sounds amazing already that, we, that we've come to this point. But uh, it's probably a good point now to start analysing how Watford have been playing over these games. And, and uh, I've seen a few pictures that you've been putting out on Twitter and it's it's very interesting stuff but can you try and explain to us what you've been uh, putting out Jordan and, and 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 explain to us how Watford have been playing so far yeah I mean it's a bit of an interesting one it's it's, it's been changing it's been pretty fluid there's we've seen little incremental changes as times have gone on uh, we've definitely started with that 3-4-3-3-5-2 and we're slowly kind of slowly kind of shifting into more of that 3-5-2 with Saar operating on the right so I think there's still plenty of room for that to change I think it's going to change at some point uh, we've had Ivic discuss how he wants to kind of switch to that four at the back at some point or he at least likes to use that but he's limited personnel so I think there's still going to be lots to cover and there's going to be lots of changes throughout the season but as for now our identity has really been exploiting that wing that wing play and, and trying to play down there. I touched on it earlier, but we have been going in so far with the approach of our players are better than yours and we're going to keep doing what we do. So that's all well and good, but eventually you're going to run up against teams that, that might be able to nullify that and stop it, especially when they have the time to plan and work out ways to actually uh, to make that difficult for us. So I think we're going to see more change, but for now that's going to be our primary route. Um Yesterday was a good example of that, but I thought we were much better at actually spreading that um, offensive load across the right and the left. I think uh, I think yesterday we attacked down the left forty one percent of the time, and then that oh sorry down the left thirty six percent of the time, down the right forty one, which mm. is a much more even split to what we've seen in recent games. Yeah, um, and a lot of that is down to Ken Semmer, and he was fantastic down the left again. And yeah. it has to be noted, I mean, Firmenia does well getting up the right end, and so does Saar, but Semmer does that on his own most of the time, and he created a lot of space for himself. And uh, yeah, he's been fantastic in that area, so you could be pretty comfortable with him, whether he's playing in that deeper left wing back position or or if he's pushed up further on the field, up to the uh, left wing or left midfield. So there's a lot to be positive about on those areas. Um, as for where we'd be going forward, I think it's just finding a way of 
of penetrating centrally and, and, and being a threat from those areas too because right now we're leaving a lot of space there unused and we've got the players we've got the weapons to actually hurt teams in them positions so it's finding that way of, of making us more of a, a dual threat rather than that kind of single down the wing uh, as we have been so far yeah he's obviously becoming a fan favorite isn't he Samir? he's uh he's really um the the sort of the, the what for play on everyone's lips whenever I whenever I ask for, for for comments about who do you think's playing well everyone points to Ken Zemmer and uh, you know his his deliveries are really good he's definitely good. I mean if you just look at that heat map is it, is all over that left side up and down and the, the crosses from his positions you know I think um, it was like a pass accuracy rate in the eighties in the eighty percent wasn't it or something like that. Yeah, he's he's very consistent, and that's that's the thing. He's playing passes from a lot of different areas. He he's he's having to do defensive work, but he's still able to get forward and be a threat. If you put in that sort of performance and that sort of production from a left wing standpoint, that's impressive. Let alone when you also have the defensive responsibility that he does. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think he's had a great season so far. He's been one of the pluses for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how well he'll, he'll he'll play and how suited he'll be to that more advanced role should he get the opportunity to play there, which I, I do think he will. Um, so, yeah, I think he's been very promising. Uh, it's also now just a, a case of making sure we can actually get the players in the box to benefit even more from, from those deliveries because there have been a lot of times where he has had the opportunity to get the ball in and we've not really had the players in there, whether it's cleverly or Chalibur advancing at times. But if, if we have that recognised forward in there and we have a bit more... Uh, support from the right coming into the box and I think that could be an avenue that we look to to profit from even more and you uh you said before the game that uh you was a bit surprised that that Kiko hadn't been rested but uh you know he's he's been very good for the for, for the side and he's keeping out a, a player in, in Jeremy Ngakia who is, is a real talent at that, that right wing back position but they're very different players aren't they despite playing the same position they're they're quite different aren't they yeah I think Kiko he looks a bit heavy leg towards the end of the game. I think maybe you could see the minutes in him. He was maybe struggling a little bit defensively, and that, I don't think that was so much of a criticism of Kiko in general. But I think that game he he was a bit fatigued. So yeah, I was a little bit surprised, but he's been fantastic. He's probably been our best player the last couple of games before this one. So he's much more of a possession based fullback that's happy to have the ball. He's comfortable in in every area of the pitch with the ball. He finds the right pass, and once you get him into the final third, he's got some really good delivery. And if you've got the players in there again, then you've got the chance to make something happen. We've seen us benefit from it. Uh, I think Ismail Asas was uh, off a Kiko cross against Wickham, and there's definitely been opportunities to to extend that too. So, yeah, I mean, Kiko, if you're playing against a team, you're going to have a lot of possession, and you're going to be hard to pitch. And I think we're going to definitely see Kiko. But then on the other side of that, Jeremy Ngakia is is a really really good one on one defender. He's a good athlete. He's physical. He's he's intelligent on the ball. He can actually he makes good passes. He, we've not quite seen the the consistency and, and quality of delivery into the box as we have from Fernandia, but he is good at playing the ball forward still, and he's very good at carrying the ball. Kiko's not so much a touch and run down the line. He's, he's going to occupy space well, and he's going to be intelligent in his movement. But Ngaki has the ability to take it past players too, and stretch teams that way. So you've got two really good wing backs and I'd say that's probably our strongest position in terms of depth um, which is is obviously very important in a system where you're relying on your wing backs for attacking threat and defensive work so yeah that right back position is a, a real positive for us for sure mm. we just need a bit of more cover in that left wing back position maybe 
Yeah, I mean, alternatively, that's the thing. On the left-hand side, we've got a great starter, but we don't really... I mean, our best backup is our is our right-back, so our right-wing-back. Right so, yeah, that is definitely a problem position, and we've obviously heard Ivic vocalise the, the fact that he feels that way too, and I think I think that's maybe our, our biggest oversight, I think, of, of the season in terms of transfers and, and squad building is that we just didn't get that done. Uh, obviously, I'm assuming there's more, more of a... Uh, more complexities to it that we're not aware of. Clearly, we were interested in, in the left back and we were trying to find a solution. But I think the fact that we didn't get one done has hurt us a little bit, and we've been fortunate now for the opening few games. But yeah, if something was to happen in, in the left hand side to Semmer, then we'd be in a bit of a difficult situation. Sure. So we've uh, we've done wing backs, but let's go through the rest of the team now. Let's start with the goalkeeper, obviously. Ben Foster's pretty much been the only goalkeeper, but we've seen uh, little glimpses of Backman as well in, in the cup games and, and they've looked good. But what's your, what's your opinion been of, of Ben Foster this season so far? Well, I mean, shot stopping has been top class, hasn't it? He's, he's, he's saved us on a lot of occasions. And, mm. I mean, our expected goals conceded are much higher than what we have conceded and a big part of that is down to Ben Foster. So, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't complain in, in that sense. I mean, if you have any criticisms of Ben, it's probably his uh, his use of the ball so there are a few occasions where he, you, you you can see what you want him to do and he tries but it's just it's just not his game he's he's not that sort of goalkeeper so I mean you, you take that because what he offers for you um, in terms of shot stopping and, and saving opportunities you can't you can't turn that down so he's been he's been very good for us this season he's he's earned us some points for sure yeah, absolutely. And he's got a great uh, YouTube channel out as well, which uh, well, hopefully he's going to be able to continue. For <laughs> yeah, for now. Let's see what happens with that one. Yeah, I think there was some talk of him um, donating some money uh, to uh, Mind, I think, in, in, in hope that he can keep the uh, the channel going. I mean, I've, I've, I've loved watching it. Have you, have you tuned into any of it? Yeah, I've seen some. Yeah, I've seen some. And it's, it's interesting. I think it would be a big shame if he can't do that. I mean, I understand understand the, the, the legality of it and stuff but it's just it's disappointing because it's good entertainment and honestly it kind of advertises the league I don't think it's negative for the league and it's not it's not really showing uh, it's not really replacing match footage but uh, what do I know and uh, I think Batman from what we've seen in, in his performances in the cup has at least given a lot of Watford fans a feeling like we have a a, a decent backup now should uh, should he be called upon and and you know if he can improve upon those performances if he if he gets opportunities hopefully uh, the FA Cup in January when that comes around he'll be able to play in that competition and and improve upon the performances that he's that he's already been putting in some high quality uh, shows from the from the from the other competition uh, you know he, I think he's he's definitely given us more of this uh, feeling of confidence. Yeah, I think the cup game is is the one that changed a lot of people's opinions. I think he he had a couple of shaky games before that, and people were maybe questioning. But we've seen from his loan spells that he has quality, and he's a sturdy, he's a he's a solid backup, and I think he's a very good backup. At Foster's age, there's a chance you know an injury could be an extended period of time. So having having an adequate backup is important. I think he's probably one of the one of the better backups we've had in a while. Obviously, we had Gomez, but in terms of that keeper that might offer you something down the road and uh, be an option in future years. I think it's a good one to have. Um, I, he'll be expecting to play football very soon. He's at an age where he should be playing football now. So if we can convince him to stay and, and continue as that backup, I, I could definitely see him uh, being the number one for us in the future. Yeah, I feel like the championship uh, has come at, for him at a good time. Yeah, he, he's definitely championship quality. I, I think that's comfortably where he could play right now. 
he has the the potential to to step up and play at a high level. I'm sure. Uh, with goalkeepers, it's it's an interesting one. It's it's a completely different developmental cycle than every other position, and they don't get the minutes unless they get a loan spell. They don't get the minutes to to kind of push and get that gradual introduction. A lot of the time, it's it's all or nothing. So. Um, if he can, if he can take the opportunity when it comes, and there's no reason why he can't be a, a goalkeeper for us going forward. Good stuff. The centre back positions. Then we've got uh, Trust Ekong, Cabaselli, Kafkart, also Wilmot, and Shiralta. Uh, of those five, uh, we've predominantly seen the first four. And what's your opinions been of them so far? And, and uh, do you have a favourite starting three? I think they performed pretty well overall so far. Um, We've seen we've seen a few ups and downs from them individually, and I think that's that's been dealt with quite well with the rotation of the players. If if a player's had a bad game, generally they've been taken out and they've been given an opportunity a couple of weeks later. So I think that the fact that we have those options available makes things a lot easier for us, and it gives us the opportunity to actually play based on merit. Uh, in terms of preference, it's a difficult one. I think personally, I've quite in, I've quite liked Cathcart, the right centre back, with Truce de Kong in the centre. And then Wilmot on the left, but there's a solid argument for Cabaselli, and I could be I could be convinced to to have him replace any of those three. So it, it just shows how well they've played. Um, we've had a couple of um, couple of moments from Ben Wilmot, which have people have obviously been frustrated by, and he's he's cost us a goal or two. But I think for the most part, he's a type of centre back that we don't have um, a replacement for, and the fact that he's our most progressive with the ball, and he's only a 20, 20 year old kid, so it there's time for him to develop and he needs to have minutes so I, mm. personally I would I would roll with that and I'd accept the fact there'll be some mistakes because what you get from that experience that he has is, is only positive so I think having that option of someone that can play the ball forward he's been a little bit hamstrung because he's playing on that left hand side but there's a reason why he's playing there and that's because even though he's on his weak foot if he does mean he has to come inside he has got more of a range and, and that ability to actually play forward so I think as a whole, that that group is is quite solid. We we maybe at one point during the season might need to see more than what we have. If we had an injury and we continued that back three, then it doesn't take long before you have a bit of a problem. But yeah, I think as a whole, it's been a pretty solid group so far. So Kafkart was playing that left-sided position um, in their last fixture. How did you think he did uh, compared to what Wilmot's been doing recently? Yeah, Cathcart's a very consistent player. He's he's not going to maybe be as expansive in his passes forward. He's he's got the ability to to play them long balls. We saw in the build up to uh, Parisha's goal against Bournemouth that he, he can do that, especially from from that side with them crossfield balls. But he's a little bit more conservative in his play, um, and he, he did well. I mean, he's he's very comfortable. He's played a lot of his career at the left centre back position in the back four. So defensively, he's comfortable to play that side, and he he's more than adequate at doing that job. So that's definitely an option, especially if, you, if you're going to be playing Cabaselli. I think it's likely that he's more suited to the right outside centre-back should he be given that role. I think generally it's more of a um, more of a central position that Cabaselli and Trusta Kong would favour. But if you're looking mm-hmm. to get them both into the team, you're going to see Cabaselli being that, that one that's shifted outside. So, yeah, we've got some versatility in there. But, but as a whole, that group is pretty strong. It, it's done It's done pretty well. Yesterday, there were a few a few decisions that, that looked poor uh, from them. But I think part of that too is they had a little bit less support from midfield and they were maybe a little bit more isolated, especially when we were trying to push up as high as we were. So, yeah, I think there's going to be improvements uh, in, in terms of the uh, the three as a whole once, once they're playing more games and getting more minutes together. 
Of those five, all of them are right-footed. Do you think that Ivic would like to bring in another centre-back that was left-footed uh, potentially in the January window? Or do you think it's not really that big an issue now? I think he'd like to, but I, I think uh, going forward, left-back will be a primary concern. I don't think we'll bring in a centre-back. Maybe if, if something happens to, to come about, if there's a, a, someone available for loan or if we have an injury, perhaps we need to we need to replace one, then I think we, we would look for a left-footed left centre-back should, should we bring one in. But if you've got Adam Massner returning and you do play that back three, we'd want that left-footed centre-back, which is more important than the back three than it is the, the back four, then he's definitely capable of playing there. Um, and if you're playing that back four, then, then Massen is capable of playing left-back. So I, I think it'll come down to, to him a, a lot in terms of that left side, uh, if we wanted to play with that left-footed player. As for now, I think we're just going to roll with what we have. And if it means being a little bit restricted in possession on that side, then that is what we have to do because it's probably not an area we're going to reinforce this January. Okay, so uh, moving up into midfield now, we've talked about the wing backs already. So the central midfield, we've got Kapu, obviously, Garner, Cleverly, uh, we've got um, Queener, and uh, of course, Chalabur as well. Um, of those guys, uh, who have you been particularly impressed by? Well, I think I think primarily you're going to be looking at Etienne Kapu. He's going to be that that midfielder you want to have playing every game, and you want to allow him to dictate the uh, tempo on the ball. So I think he's going to be nailed on to start when available. As for apart from that, you look, you want to have Will Hughes in there. I'm sure once he returns to fitness, I think most fans will be looking to have Will Hughes in there. And it's kind of for me, it's a question of who that third player is. Uh, we've seen we've seen some performances, some good performances from Tom Cleverley. Obviously, he's been captaining the side, and I thought he was good again yesterday. He's been tenacious on the ball and off the ball. So after that, you're then looking at that attacking option in Domingos Quina, who's a bit more of a bit more of a mercurial midfielder that can that can take up them advanced positions and find space and, and look to to play forward. He's had some he's had some question marks over him after his opening games, but I think there's still a, a good player in there. He just needs them minutes to play. I think against certain teams, he's going to be a, an asset for us. Uh, again, James Garner yesterday we saw how he can also play forward in a slightly different way to Cleaner. A little bit more of a controlled manner, but them set pieces make a huge difference too. And then you've got Nathaniel, Nathaniel Chalaber, who for me is, has, has moulded himself into an out-and-out defensive midfielder now. He's he's struggled a little bit on the ball this season and, and struggled to, to progress the ball forward. And I think that off-the-ball work is really where he's excelled. The question comes now was as to whether you actually need a defensive midfielder in that mould, especially when you have Etienne Kapu that's going to be sitting deeper because although he sits deep in a, in a manner that can help you play forward on the ball, off the ball he's more than capable of um, of being that defensive midfielder in a slightly different way. He's not going to be as as perhaps as physical as Chalaber and being as uh, as, as deep and, and looking to break up the play by getting into them challenges and them individual duels. He's going to be more of a intercepting, uh, positioning defensive midfielder. So you've you've really got to see how it pans out in terms of balance. But for me, it's going to be that Hughes and and Kapu double pivot in there and then it's a case of who you want to play in front of him we've got a few different options it's a big shame Tom Dilly-Bashiri is not available because I mm. think he would have been a real asset and I think he's actually probably best suited for that position as it happens because he does provide that balance and we even saw in the opening minutes of the, the Reading game before he went off he was taking up some some spaces that others hadn't and he's very very efficient on the ball and that was something we could have really done with but yeah that's just unfortunate for us so of Kapu, Garner, Cleverly, Hughes, 
Queena and Chalabar, who would you prefer to, to see uh, as the starting three? I think it depends on the game, personally. I think it really, really depends on the opponent and, and where you are as a team. But if I had to say it in a general sense, probably my ideal three would be Kapu, Hughes and Queena, just because you have that balance. Kapu's could be sitting deep. He can he can be be there to, to break up the play with the interceptions and, and covering that space in front of the back four, but still being a danger on the ball in the sense that he's got them he's got them having used to, to hit the ball through the uh, the wings and, and play forward as we've seen him do over the years you've then got Will Hughes he's got that tenacity defensively and he's also got the ability to play forward and, and carry the ball a little bit and, and, and occupy some spaces that, that help you build up some play especially where we've struggled at times to to help link that play whether it's the wing backs or whether it's a, a 4-2-3-1 you still want to have that player that can that can play in those in those tight spaces and help you move the ball and then in the attacking position the attacking midfield number 10 Domingos Quina just adds, adds that something different he's he's going to he's going to be a threat he's a, he's a threat from outside the box he can play out wide so he can move into different spaces and he can just help you link the play again so i think that gives you the best balance as a, as a, of a midfield as, as a whole and then you can you can switch them players around we can make one or two changes, and you can still you can still replicate some of the same some of the same game plan. I think what you really want to do is have that set midfield that you can you can work off every week. It's going to be a big part of the team, and you want to know that you've got that consistency in terms of balance. And I think that three offers a offers a good balance. Nice, and I think you can probably expect uh, that I'm going to go to the strikers now. Going forward, I think I think Sara and Pedro offer you some a lot of quality, but we've seen they've struggled as a pair. I think. I think the, the the key going forward will be how we use that wing that wing threat from from Sarah and actually have the the striker to help alongside him. So it might not necessarily be a two. I think if we see us switch going forward to a to a three a front three, then we're, we're likely to see that that more recognised central player. And then you've got Sarf coming from the right and whoever it is from the left, whether it's Pedro maybe playing a little bit narrower, or it could even be Ken Semmer. So I think that's this is probably the positional group where there's the least established even though we we know where the quality is you want to have ideally you want to have Saar and Pedro playing um, Pedro is still for me more than capable of playing for the middle you could you've got lots of options you could have a front three of Sema on the left Pedro in the center and Saar on the right and that's pretty potent you've also got the option of having Dini in there or or Gray if you wanted to even have a front two where someone like Andre Gray is more suited to you can just change a formation and play that especially if you're playing those three at the back systems you can have the the two up front or the three you can interchange between them pretty easily so there's lots of options for us I think it's really just finding what suits us best and if we've got those options available to us and Ivic is is happy to to switch around depending on the opposition then then that'll be ideal but I mean, having those those players available to us and and giving them chances and seeing seeing how things develop might be our best way forward and, and seeing where the best threat comes from. But ultimately, you want to get your best players on the pitch. So if we want if we want to be successful in them in them forward areas, I think it starts by having Saar there and working out how you can get the best out of him and the players around him. Excellent stuff. Well, obviously, uh, there's no fixture this Saturday because it's the international games and uh, the likes of Craig Cuffcott will be going away to feature for Northern Ireland. But what uh, can Ivic do to utilise this uh, this period now where he's got some time with the team? I think it's just trying to bed that system in a little bit more. It's, it's, we've seen, it's been a work in progress. We've seen some positives. We've seen some improvements. But it's only it, it's only incremental as, as, at this moment. So... Give, using this time to effectively just kind of develop those 
that those those skill sets into the players that are maybe moving into new positions and having to occupy different different areas of the pitch and players that are coming back from injury maybe need that time to to get up to speed and uh, and and understand what's required of them so fitness is definitely one game plan is another and then uh, I think probably an area that we should be looking at is I think defending set pieces. I think we've struggled with a little bit, or we have struggled with definitely. So if we can maybe get some organisation and some confidence there, then that would be that would be extremely helpful. But some of that does come from just having some success in competitive matches. So I think this this two week period is really about getting the players back available, and then once we get past the international window, I feel like. I don't want to say it's where our season starts because we're a quarter of the way for the season and we kind of felt the same after the last international break. But I think each time we get that gap and that, that rest period, we know that we should hopefully be coming back stronger. So if we can have players available and everyone prepared and ready to go from there, then I think that's just the ideal situation. So these next two weeks is just to give us that time to be ready. That's how I feel anyway. And those games Northern Ireland are Slovakia on Thursday. And then Austria away on the Sunday, the 15th. And then the, on the Wednesday, the 18th, Northern Ireland will be playing Romania at home. And those last two are UEFA Nation League's fixtures. And uh, England, of course, are going to be in action as well. They were due to be playing New Zealand, but they, that match was uh, cancelled. And now it's going to be England versus the Republic of Ireland on the Thursday. On the Sunday, it's Belgium versus England. That one's away. And on the Wednesday, it's going to be England versus Iceland. And uh, I'm looking forward to that one because uh, I always like to watch the, uh, the the Iceland team, although without fans again. So it's going to be a disappointing one because I, I always love the, the way that those Iceland fans chant the sort of whoo. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been pretty stale, hasn't it? The international football without fans has been as uninspiring as the as the domestic leagues without fans. So it's a real shame, honestly. Um yeah, I mean, there's a lot of football to watch still, which is a positive, but it, it's it's a shame to be taken away from uh, from the league after we've been doing so well in, in the overall this season. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to the season uh, in the championship, and I've been enjoying it, but it might be nice to have a little bit of a break, I guess, too, especially for you. Great stuff. Well, uh, that's it for this mini Watford uh, buzz show. We'll be back with build-up to the QPR fixture in a week's time but uh, that's it from myself and Jordan Weimer and you can find out more top insight from Jordan at Jordan Weimer on Twitter he always puts out some great content so go over there and follow him but until then it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from Jordan enjoy your weekend off if you can but there is some football out there to catch if you if you if you want to just like we've mentioned already so that's it then we'll see you next time Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.